Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the NSL's podcast. I hope you're all well who's listening. My name's Stephen, the host of the NSL's podcast. I'll be joined by two show regulars, Anthea Ross. How are you both? Yeah, it all good, Stephen. Uh, second podcast this week, so yeah, loving it. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're on a roll, you're on a roll. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be light in terms of what we're going to talk about and obviously the game against Sheffield Wednesday and stuff. But before we move on to that, I want to address something. Now, as many of you may know, Lee Griffiths has been sent home from Southeast Training Base in Wales. Over the last 48 hours or so, there's been articles circulating in regards to Lee Griffiths' online behaviour. And as this situation is developing and in the hands of Celtic and the rele- rele- relevant authorities, we at the end of the sales podcast will refrain from making any comment until a clear outcome is reached. And that is all we're going to say on the matter. Now, as quickly as I read that, we're going to quickly move on, OK? Now, what we've seen over the week there was Celtic's kind of first pre-season game against Sheffield Wednesday. Played oddly in three sections of 30 minutes. It's the first time I've ever seen this. I don't know if any of you guys have, but it was actually all right. I mean, to be fair, like it did split the game up and you got to see the players and the other players who come on lottery towards the end of the game. But we did start with a 3-1 win and Postacoglu's got off to a win at Celtic on his first kind of manager, his first game as manager. Now, coming to yourself, Anthony, now, it is pre-season, but I was buzzing for it. Honestly, it was. I couldn't wait to get in and watch it. And I watched the whole game. And the first 10 minutes or so were a bit iffy. It was just back and forth, back and forth. Sheffield Wednesday could have scored a few, to be honest. But slowly but surely, the youngsters who started that game did come into it. Um, what, was your, what was your opinion of the game as a whole before we get into actual individuals who might have impressed? Yeah, like you say, Stephen, it's it's a pre-season. It's the first game of pre-season. There's the major European championships is still being played as we speak. Um so yeah, there was that very much that feel to it, and you know a lot of fringe players been been given the opportunity. Um, but like yourself, yeah, well, I was quite looking forward to. It. I think there has been a sort of a, a, a real sort of cloud of optimism with um, you know the new chief executive, new manager. Um, they seem to have got off on the right foot, shall we say? So yeah, there has been a sort of a, a return of the the buzz about the place, as the maestro himself once uh, famously quoted. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think it it was as good a game as it could have been expected to be uh, under the circumstances. You know, it's played it. I mean, I I don't know if that was Wednesday's training training academy or not, but it was. You know, it was very much a training facility that they were playing it at. And um, yeah, for and although the, the results never overly matter in, in in these games, it is all about fitness and building towards the the start of the competitive action. But um, yeah, you you can't. It's always for a new manager coming in. It'll always be nice to start with a positive result, and uh, and we got that as well. Yeah, definitely. What about yourself, Ross? I mean, for Postecoglou himself, I'm sure he was itching to get the first game out of the way. I know it's not a competitive game; it's pre-season. But just getting that win, getting this kind of style across to the players, it is important, isn't it, for the week the weeks coming ahead, especially the Midland game coming. Aye, um, I, I mean to be honest with you. Straight away, I didn't see the game, uh, and I've not even had a chance to see the highlights. I've been so busy with work, but uh, I mean, by all accounts, like there's shady style being implemented already. Um, like Anthony, I didn't read too much into friendlies, um, but uh, again, it's it's the first game. It's a new manager. You want to go off to a winning start, and he's done that. Um, but I want to I, I want to just touch on. I think it was a bit of a. a, a a masterstroke for him, if you like, uh, given a yeti the captaincy. I mean, he's a guy last season that's been so low in confidence, and for to recognise that early, 
and, and like I know there was a lot of youngsters who, who do you give the captaincy to but to give it to a Yeti after the season he's had it, it just gives him that boost uh, right away uh, that the manager is believing in him and he's on side with him and he goes and gets his goal in the game uh, I just thought that was a really good bit of man management straight away for uh, Big Ange uh, and I, it's good as we say to get the win early doors uh, and it, it breeds confidence and you, you, you just start to sort of build for there. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the the anyone was quite interesting when you've seen that because there was Welsh in there, Sorrow even the extent, and Ralston, he's been there for five years. No people have divided opinion on him. But, I mean, go for the line up here, I'll just say it quickly. For the first period anyway, it was Barkas, Montgomery, Murray, Dean Murray, that is, Stephen Welsh, Anthony Ralston, Sorrow, Kerr McEnroy, Liam Shaw, Ewan Henderson, uh, Owen Moffat and Albion Yeti, Anthony. Now, for me anyway, young Owen Moffat really impressed me. He was playing on the right-hand side, usually where Forrest would have played, and he was nippy. I mean, he doesn't have blistering pace by all counts, but he is a nippy player, and he took his goal well. What players stood out to you in that game? Moffat was going to be the one that... Uh... Um, I, I, I mentioned uh, specifically uh, Stephen, you know, he, he looks like the love child of Mick Hucknell um, but, you know, he's got um, he's a, he looked good wee little turn, read the game well, I felt didn't look out of place um, again, we, we are having to, you know, put it under the, the caveat, of course, that it was a, a pre-season friendly and, you know that, you know, it, no one's playing at their peak, but I, I felt when it, for these French players these games are also about season the chances that they get and I, I actually I totally felt that he, he took it uh, with both hands. And uh, yeah, I would say probably his goal uh, was the, the pick of the three, uh, to be honest. Um, but I just to I touch on, I totally agree with Ross as well. I mean, we've all spoke, and I think it's one of the, the things we, we all agree on, that we do think that there's a, a player in a Yeti. And, you know, at the start of the season last year, um, you know, just that his physique and stuff, he's never going to be a... He's never going to, you know, run the length of the pitch and beat three guys and score. But he's just one of those players that always seem to be in the right place at the right time. But for whatever reason, um, after his his injury back in the autumn, he just never really got another look in. Um, but I think if he's one of those players that I think if he was to get a significant amount of game time, then I think the goals uh, he, he would have a hell of a lot of goals to to sort of show for that. Um, so it, and obviously circumstances at the moment it, it suggests that he is going to be involved quite a lot going forward so yeah it was good to see him getting that sort of that boost as Ross says and uh, yeah and also he took his goal very well as well I have to say it was uh, yeah good finish uh, I mean, well, for me, he the one... early again as he does yeah Sorry, yeah one absolutely thing, one thing that struck me was his figure his physique he looked slimmer he looked leaner and you're right when you say Anthony he's not going to beat three men blister and pace I mean I think it's William in the group says he's a bit Gary Hooper-esque the way he is. He's a penalty box striker, a poacher. And that's the way it's best suited to him. And given the captaincy, even though pre-season, it's kind of a photo of confidence, Ross, isn't it? And I know you didn't say, like, see the game, but Ross, um, Anthony made a great point in terms of the, like, the youth season or chance and players coming in, the likes of Moffat playing on, on the right-hand side. You get Liam Shaw coming in from Sheffield Wednesday, who I thought had an excellent game, very composed. Stephen Wells, he played a few games last season. And most importantly for me, I've seen Barkas again. And I still think there is a player in Barkas. Now, come to yourself, Ross. What, what players there do you think could make a stake? Because, I mean, we're short in positions. I mean, what strikes to me most, most importantly here 
the striker situation again has just got even more worse than it already was. Albanieri, he's going to he has to be stand up, be counted. Is Edward going to stay? And then you got the likes of Moffat, Shaw, Sorrow. Do you think these guys are going to be in going forward in the round of first team? Um, it's kind of hard to say that just now because you don't know. I've touched on this before. You don't know where we're going to be come like the end of the transfer window. But I mean, but I read, I read up in the game. Uh, by all accounts, Shaw had a very good game. Uh, and he's he's quite a big guy, quite a, a bit of a presence. Um, so uh, he could he could feature. Uh, personally, I, I really like a Yeti. I, th- I fancy there's a player there. And if he, like Anthony says, gets a run of games, I think the goals will come. Because um, Celtic, the way that um, Postacoglu is going to play, uh, I mean, you've seen it with two uh, the first two of your goals uh, against Sheffield Wednesday that we're going to try and win the ball high up the park. We're going to play that high press. And if we win the ball high up the park, then we, we catch the defence off guard. We can play the balls into a Yeti who usually finds himself when he has played in the right positions. He's a penalty box striker. Uh, so I think I think a Yeti could play a big part this season. Um Obviously, Edward, we think, is going to go. I, I, I think, obviously, with Griffiths, don't know what's going to happen with him now. Um, but probably need to get another striker in the door uh, to help a Yeti. I don't think, like, say, your, your bio is going to feature. So we, we do need somebody else in there. As regards Moffat, uh, I think he took his goal really well. Um, whether he can feature in... The first team remains to be seen, uh, but obviously he's got a bit of development to do in terms of his body and stuff like that and his stature. But again, I didn't see the game, but it, it was good to see the youth doing well. Uh, and uh, I never read, but did, did Dembele feature at all in that game? Oh. <laughs> nope. That wasn't no. part of it. That's no. uh, that's quite telling because uh, I mean I, I don't think he's injured or anything like that so uh, we, we were all shouting for him to be in the team last season and that but is, is it an attitude problem with him as Postacoglu seen that right away it's, it's a question you've got to ask if he is no featuring in that game yesterday where loads of youth featured uh, I, yeah, I just well, don't know what I mean, to make of him there, there is rumours going around that he is injured. He was pictured alongside like oh, Paul and Gully, training along and alongside the pitch in regards to a training session. I don't know how how much substance there is to that, but by all accounts, it sounds like he's injured. But as you said, if he's not, then that is quite that is quite telling, and we don't know what's going to happen with him in regards to his future as well. Now, what we did see, well, for me, my point of view anyway, a couple of goals that they got were from Postecoglou's change of style. We got the first two basically. By the high press, I mean, the Albini goal, left-hand side of the box, he, he struck the first time into the bottom corner, and that was kind of done by Liam Shaw. He won the ball high up in midfield again, and a couple of passes later, got the Albini's feet, he banged it in. Same with Moffat. His goal he took really well was from the high press, that high-energised press where he snapshot edge of the box, half folly into the corner of the net as well, Anthony. Do you think that we're seeing parts of Postacoglu's style coming into Celtic this early on? Yeah, it certainly looks like it, um, It's and it's something I would welcome because I always find when, when Celtic play with a bit of pace and a bit of high energy, especially domestically, um, 
very few, if any, can 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 get even lay a glove on us. Um, it's just the sort of you know almost in our DNA, almost of you know that's just the, the our preferred way of playing. Um, I, I I just think it's it suits a lot of our natural uh, sort of sort of outlook on how the game should be played. Um, obviously, it then does leave you a little bit vulnerable at the back um, with regards to, you know, European competition, etc. So, of course, all of that would have to be worked out on the training ground. But, no, definitely in terms of, um, like you said, a high press, high energy, um, you can't uh, sort of criticise that at all. That's um, that's how we want to see uh, a Celtic team play. I don't, one thing that I found quite strange, I mean, I don't know if it was me looking at the game kind of, do you know what I mean? To depth, obviously you want to see that change of style, Ross. But one thing I seen was the fullbacks was Ralston and Montgomery, and they, every time Celtic went forward, they tucked in and like essentially made and they kind of filled the gaps in midfield, which allowed the midfield players to get forward. It was it, it was a strange way of playing, but I mean, there was times I seen Ralston. I mean, I don't think Ralston should be at Celtic coming in infield into the centre midfield spot when we were attacking. The same with Montgomery as well. I, I, I don't know about yourself, Ross, but. Do you think that's a kind of way Celtic could play, especially for the kind of right the right players and the right positions? Obviously, going forward, we'll see more about transfer activity. But in regards to style, how you find that? Do you think we're seeing the early? I know you didn't see the game, but you're well up on it. Do you think we're seeing the uh, early onset possible new style? Uh, oh, I think we we definitely are. Um, but I mean, again, like you've, I, I never actually seen the game, but I mean, time will tell whether that's how we're going to play. Um, going forward but I mean looking at the goals we've touched on it how we win the ball high up the park eh, I was looking for that and like when I was going to watch the goals I was looking to see if we won the ball high up the park we done that eh, as regards to the, the full backs tucking in and stuff it's difficult for me to comment on it um, but I mean time will tell how we're going to play it's evident that we're going to play with a lot of energy, uh, you you seen or or heard when he was mic'd up, uh, Big Andrew was mic'd up, uh, the messages that he was putting across to the players, uh, and going off of that, and then the, the wee snippets that I've seen and read, uh, I think that the message is starting to get across to an extent. It's very early days, uh, but to see certainly what I've seen uh, the goals and stuff, it looks like. We're playing with a lot more energy and pace than what we did last season. Yeah. Which, by the way, wouldn't be bloody hard. But um, <laughs> it's, it, it certainly bodes well uh, for the future. And hopefully, and I say hopefully, as it's early days, but as I say, it means the players are, to me, sounds like, looks like they're, they're sort of buying into his messages at this early stage already, which is is a good thing. Yeah, it definitely is. And before we move on from the, the Sheffield Wednesday game, I want to talk about one player just quickly anyway, and that's Austin Edward. He scored, hopefully. Do we think? I mean, from what I've seen of him anyway in the game, he did look like he was making runs. He looked like he was happy on the pitch again, and he was talking to players, smiling and stuff. Do you think maybe Pasta Cogdu can put an arm around him and convince him to stay on? You never know. Um, I hope. I, I must admit, I hope so. Um, even if that means us you know, losing him for nothing next year, but by the same token, if the we're not going to get the kind of fee that we would have got from pre-COVID uh, at this moment in time, just with the way the, the market is. So any sort of sale, if we were to sell them right now, I don't really think we would see much 
in terms of uh, any financial sort of benefit to it because PSG would be just so much of the fee. Um, so if he, if he can be persuaded to, and like you say, his body language and his whole demeanour seems to be more positive, little clips at, at training and whatever. He's he's smiling and laughing and having a having a job. He's not got that sort of dour, fed up, doesn't want to be here kind of um, sort of sort of face that he had at the tail end of last season. So yeah, if if, if he's happy, then I'm, I'm I would be happy to keep him for another year, um, especially and you know maybe try and get ourselves back into the Champions League and then you know the world's his oyster, so to speak. Um, the the one club that that was it seemed to have the most concrete um, interest in him uh, was obviously uh, Brendan and Leicester City, but I think that all that sort of talk seems to have went cold um, since they they signed the. The other striker, I think it was about 20, 24, 25 million pounds they've spent. So, I mean, Leicester are obviously a very wealthy club, but they don't have a bottomless pit either. And, and Jamie Vardy's not going anywhere either. So, I'm not sure, okay, it would be a move to England, but would he really fancy going down there and not being the, you know, the, the number one? Um, so, yeah, for, for as long as he's with us, um, I would say use him and utilise him, even if that means him being cup tied in Europe or, or whatever, if he was to move further on down in the window. Um, we are painfully short of strikers at the moment, and until reinforcements arrive, um, you got to, if your £9 million players available, uh, record signings available, then he's got to be in the team for me. Yeah, I think the Leicester deal is dead because I think I think there's all this about Rogers tax in regards to the, the transfer fee, sell on clauses, all that kind of thing. And if this, I think they're about to complete or have completed a, a £23 million signing of a striker, so I think we can wave goodbye to Leicester on the Edward front. but Coming to yourself, Ross, I mean, Anthony made a great point there. If he's available, he's a record signing, and if we get the happy Eddie back, surely that's going to be beneficial to us moving forward. Absolutely. Um, I mean, at the same time, I don't think it can be ignored that he absolutely downed tools last year, whether it was because he didn't get the move that he was looking for, whether it was because he fell out with Lennon, whatever it was, he downed tools, and that, for me... Sort of can't be forgot, especially in the, the what what was at stake last season. But he wasn't the only one. And again, it's like the, the way we are now. If we let him go, where does it leave us? If we can keep him, then I I would absolutely go for it. He's, and if we can get him back to what he was, which I believe that if 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 he does stay, then obviously, and just go to one side, and he's going to bring absolute excellence to that that front line. Uh, so it, it's a no-brainer if, if he's going to stay for another year. And as Anthony said, we're not going to get much, we're not going to gain much financially by selling him this year uh, because of the, the, the deal with PSG. So for me, if we can keep him, let his contract run down if that's going to be the case. PSG get nothing. They don't need money anyway. We get nothing, but we get another good year out of a top-class striker. So I, I, I sort of, for me, if we can do it, it's a no-brainer. I, I do agree with you in terms of he did down twos last season. I was pretty vocal about that on previous podcasts and stuff. And I think at one point I said he doesn't deserve to stay at Celtic. But obviously, as the situation and the striker front gets worse, we need all we can get. <laughs> and I, I think it's a kind of wait-and-see situation, which brings me on to the next segment of the show, and that's Posta Cogley and his pre-match interviews. Now, I don't know if you've seen this guy's doing the rounds on Twitter and various social media accounts and the one he did with Sky Sports particularly where it looks like he's a bit dejected, a bit frustrated 
and he says something along the lines of a, what the the presenter said, who's going to go, blah, blah, blah. He said he's not in control of that. People have read so much into that comment. And likewise, in terms of incomings as well, he didn't seem too confident there'd be anything to be announced in the, in the coming days or weeks. Now, if you come to yourself, I mean, it is a bit concerning that it's kind of dulled down a bit in terms of incomings. I mean, we've read loads of rumours and in his fan press conference, he did say that Celtic needed signings yesterday. But it seems to have died down a bit. Do you get that feel? I must admit, I, I, I caught the interview. Um, just be- I watched a bit of it before we came on. I must admit, I just thought, he, it, to me, just looked like a man playing his cards very close to his chest. Um, Stephen, I think the the, the comment at the, the, that you say that he's, I'm not in control of that, it, it, I suppose in a, a way is true. He's, he and I, I, the way I look at how he's how I interpret that is that although he's got his um his the players he wants to come in and obviously he'll have his own desires and he'll have the the, the list of uh, you know candidates that he wants players that he wants to bring in, um but and although I think he has the final say on that and I think he gets to call the shots on which players he wants, but when he says that he's not in control of that, I don't think I don't think he's I have no control. That is up to you know Dominic Mackay or anyone else. I think what he's meaning is there's so much else going on. It's, Celtic can only do what Celtic can do, but they can only do how the sort of operate how the market dictates. So I think when he's saying I'm not in control, of outgo- nobody's going to leave if nobody bids for the players, um, which he can't control. Um, and if with price, I mean there, there was rumours that Bologna then doubled their asking price, for example, for Aaron Hickey. You know that's not something he can control. So that I think that's the sort of point he's trying to make. And he maybe could have worded it a bit better. Um, but you know, I, I, the 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 consensus I took from it was that essentially there there are different factors at play. Um, I'm under. I've got no doubts that there will be reinforcements um, at the club soon. Just for like you say, for and as he alluded to as well, that there has to be. It's just a numerical fact. Um, but having said that, I would rather they got the, the sort of proper players in rather than just signing guys for the sake of signing them to, you know, give us something to put on our, our social media pages um, on a Friday mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think we don't have to push the panic button on, on that front so far. As regard to maybe his, his demeanour, I mean, he's he is known as, you know, that was one of the, the qualities that we almost heard about you know, when we've been studying his, his backstory before he came over here. He is not a fan of the media, whether that be print, whether that be broadcast. It's it's not something that he's very comfortable doing. I think he would rather sit and talk to a group of um, supporters rather than you know the assembled press. And obviously, I know, I know we're trying not to comment on it, but of course he's obviously dealing privately with a, a very serious incident as well. Probably the last thing that he could be bothered doing pre or post um, a pre-season friendly with Sheffield Wednesday is answer questions from the media that they know him they know themselves that he can't give a clear a, a clear cut answer to. Um so if there was any annoyance, I don't think it was due to any issue with Dominic Mackay or our um or the way we were carrying on or you know going for players or anything like that. I think it's maybe just certain situations that we're, that we're in at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be pressing the panic button on any front, on, on that front just yet. Yeah, I mean, and for, from my point of view, I get what you're saying. And Ross, I don't, I don't get your opinion on this, but it is concerning the fact, I mean, 
if you look at it in, in a whole kind of situation, this transfer policy thing and the recruitment side of things that Celtic has been up for like a talking point for years gone by. Nobody really knows who's controlling and like Ross in terms of who's coming in, who's going out. And the fact that he said he's not in control of outgoings means it's like if they get a bit of hand off, which again, Celtic are first and foremost to have to keep a profit, profitable business and keep themselves afloat. But it's another concern to yourself, Ross, that he's already this early on kind of saying, look, I'm not in control of that side of things. And then the fan press conference kind of sounded like something else. Um, well, first of all, can I just say, I think that Anthony's stole my notes. Because I'm <laughs> going to echo everything, echo everything that he just said, basically. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, like Anthony says, I, I think I, I wouldn't read too much into his comments and his demeanour. I, I think, he, like he's touched on, he's playing his cards close to his chest. Uh, he's, no, he's no revealing too much whilst saying the club is working hard on incomings, which I've no doubt they are. Uh, He's alluded to the fact that he's fully aware that significant change is needed, certainly given the amount of loanies that have already gone. I mean, you have to be blind. Everybody is aware of that. Um, As regards his demeanour, I think he's probably bored answering the same questions that he's been probably asked for the last fortnight or maybe more. Uh, Like, say, on Ayer leaving and stuff like that. I mean, Ayers came out and said that he's wanting to leave. But what what else you want me to say? Like, if somebody <laughs> makes a bid, Celtic will probably accept it if it's a good enough bid because he doesn't want to be here. He wants to be elsewhere. I I don't I don't know what he's expected to say. He, he can't keep answering that question. Everybody knows that Ayers want to go. Uh, I mean, he knows. He, he, he knows he wants a certain type of player. So, like Anthony said again, it's it's not just like he's not just signing for the sake of signing. He wants a certain type of player that in turn could hold things up eh, as the certain exact types that he's looking for might not be available just now. And also at this time of year, it's notoriously hard to get players in. A lot of players are still on holiday and they're no back at their respective clubs. Uh, I mean, what I've seen of Ange Postecoglou when he came in, he's not a, no a daft man and he's fully aware we won't get all our targets. But I'm calm about things, as I always am. I, I don't think the likes of I don't think the likes of Edward and Ayer will be allowed to leave before the qualifier. If we if we didn't have like able replacements, uh, but for me, moves are being made. That much is obvious, but it, it it's been it's it's been two weeks. He's, I think I might be right. I'm right with that. It's been two weeks. For, he like the, he's been working, and I appreciate yeah. we didn't have we didn't have a lot of time, but two weeks isn't it slow in the grand grand scheme. Of, like when. Like he's came in, it's nothing really. It's for me, it's a time for patience. And come May, I'm confident he'll have got it right. I mean, there'll be there'll be more signed. Before confident, I'm confident there'll be more players signed before that qualifier comes around. But there there will also be signings after that qualifier because 
there just isn't enough time. <laughs> it is what it is, but they won't get everybody in that they, they want to sign before this qualifier. It's just not possible. But I still think that we've still got a lot of senior players there that if they're that might probably won't be leaving. And if they're buying into Postecoglou, they're going to be like new signings in itself. So I don't think it's as yeah. really as bad as what we all think. Because it's going to be a new style implemented and these guys will be rejuvenated and there'll be there'll be a a new optimism within the squad and they'll they'll want to do well. I, I just think that they were disillusioned last season a lot of these players and it can't be excused for down and tools which a lot of them did. But there'll be a lot of guys in that team that will be totally different players this year, eh, under Postecoglou in my personal, but I really believe that. I no, I 100% get what you're saying, Ross, right? But let's get real for a moment, right? You say, we've heard this phrase, working hard, working hard behind the scenes, working hard behind the scenes. Lanny said it, Roger said it, far back as Strachan, far back as O'Neill. They've all said that comment, right? You look at the transfer window so far, we're saying, Urugidi on a free transfer, well, development fee, and Joey Dawson for the B team to play in the Lowland League. We completed the sign of Liam Shaw, but which was actually done January time on a pre-contract, thankfully. And in the grand scheme of things, for me anyway, that's not good enough because they came in them fan meetings before all this was announced in terms of Postacoglu. They were saying, unless you're back as with season tickets, we can't invest in the team. And Celtic, by all accounts, but well, the rumours anyway, over 50,000 season tickets have been sold. Do you think, as a Celtic fan, looking at that market or that transfer market so far, that it's good enough? Really? At, at this exact moment, I, I don't really know what else we're expected, where, where else we're, we're expected to be. We've, we've, got the, of course, there's rumour mill is, you know, it's always happens at this time of season of the year. But Ross just nailed it there. We are the European Championships are still on, and. The, in any major tournament summer, the, the market is notoriously slow. Um, there's not there's not been anything very very public that Celtic have a player has snubbed Celtic or, or anything like that. Um, James Forrest alluded to the fact that it, I think the Sunderland player, I think you pronounce his name is Charlie White or, or Wick, seemed to be very high on our radar until Postecoglou came in, which suggests to me that Postecoglou's got a very a very specific way or type of player he wants and how he wants to, you know, the, the players that he wants. So it shows that he's not just coming in and being accepting, a, a, you know, previous targets or anything like that. Um, at this moment in time, you can only, you can only do what, what the market dictates. Um, and like you say, two, as Ross says, two weeks in the job and two weeks does move quickly. We, we, we will not, the, the team that lines up against FC Maitland, in two weeks' time, will not be the team that is there when the European deadline closes. There will be comings and goings way before then. Um, it's even if we were in the even if we'd won the league last season and been in the Champions side of the draw, it is ridiculous that there are we are a, a club of our stature are in the tournament qualifiers as early as this, and it's just one of those things. We, we can only we, we can't sign anybody for the sake of signing someone. I, I would rather wait until the guys that we want are available, uh, rather than just you know throwing money against the, you know throwing money down the drain uh, for the sake of a good a, a good tweet 
No, look, I mean, I, I get that. Obviously, before we move on, Ralphie, what way did you say that team? FC Maitland? FC Maitland? I don't know how. To, <laughs> I, I have no <laughs> idea how you pronounce it, man. There's a and lot I, of G's I in thought, there. I thought I was the worst in this show. That by far tops it. It's FC Maitland. But I get, I get what you're right, Okay. I get what you're saying, Ralphie. But Ross, look at right, look at this. How many times have we been through these qualifiers unprepared with the wrong squad, and we had to get pumped out? It seems like the Celtic only invest money when they kind of get through the, the, the stages and get into the group stages. And even at that fact, it's still not enough. Surely it's time, if it's a rebuild, to back the team and get through these qualifiers, regardless if it's Europa League ones or Champions League, and at least get us into European football for the foreseeable future. Of course it is. But like Anthony said, are, are the signings that he wants available right now? Maybe not. It's, it's a, it's a, of course it's a gamble, like going into this without... But at the same token, like we've still got Aya, we've still got Edward, we've still got these guys in in the team, in the squad, and as much as Aya is wanting to go, and we've known for a while he's wanted to go, he's always gave a hundred percent for the jersey yeah. when he's when he's featured, and I fully believe that guys like Aya, Edward are going to be there for that qualifier, like especially if we don't get the guys in that. Postacoglu is wanting so I get what you're saying Stephen they should be batting the manager but like they they, they will in time I believe like he's he's been there two weeks I know they've probably had conversations previous to that but he needs to it's only two weeks really like and it's very early in the window I've touched on already it's hard to get guys in at this time of year so it's def- I, I understand what you're saying they, they do need to back them but they also need you need to have a bit of patience and give the club time to back them do you know what I mean it's it's only been two weeks give them time get yeah. off their back and just just alright alright like, not, not nobody's no, but, <laughs> <laughs> aye but like see last season we, we, we signed we, we thought it was great we've signed all these players spent 20 million and it went wrong right Celtic probably looked at that, kind of stepped back and thought, right, we need to take our time here and get this right, because we really did, for want of a better word, fuck up last year. So, true. We need we need to take our time and just just have a bit of patience and just give them time. And at the end of the window, when the door closes or the window closes, then make a judgment on Celtic because right now I don't think it's fair. No, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I'm not coming across as in the terms of I'm on somebody's back or on, on the team's case or Pasta Caldu's case this early on. I'm just merely merely making the point no, no. that surely there should be more incomings than there is now. But again, you guys make a great point. Maybe, as you said, Anthony, Charlie White was high up in the list of targets before he's come in. He's looked at him and went, nope, not for me. And he's kind of dwindling down whenever this Celtic have picking players that fits his style, even though it's players he's not probably scouted himself. And we've seen that with Urigini, but we don't know that. And again, I, I do have patience. I've always been behind Postacogli and Celtic. And I just want them to do well. Now, the next crazy rumour that we're seeing today coming out on the, the Twitter sphere, and my co-host John will be bashing his keyboard when he hears me say that because he hates me saying these rumours. But you, you look at the one of them Australian podcasters, very close to the whole Postacoglu deal when it was happening and after as well. He came out and said on Twitter, from the, the A-League blog, or I can't remember the exact name of the Twitter account, but it's something along them lines, 
basically saying that Pastor Coglu was told that he can't bring any staff with him, Anthony, and he has to inherit staff within and develop them within his coaching philosophy. Now, we have seen various sources come in again and say that's totally untrue. Where are you standing on this thing? That was a bit of hype blew up in a proportion. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think a, a, a quick dig seems to suggest that this is a that this person that's made these comments on the in the podcast down under is a bit of an opportunist, uh, shall we say? Ange Postecoglou will be massive news over there at the moment. He'll be, you know, the, the, I dare say that the the rolling channels will be, you know, you know perhaps reporting on him and, and anything that he, he says or does and anything that someone can, if they can name drop him into the chat, then perhaps they'll get more views or listens or, or whatever. Um, a very well-respected um, Celtic channel reached out to the club and were told categorically that what the guy was saying was nonsense. Um, there are all kinds of uh, restrictions when it comes to travel at the minute with regards to, you know, getting getting staff over um i'm sure even if it is even from the other side of the world that they would be coming um again i've got, I, I i thought it was a non-event when i read it and then when I, I and i must admit i'll give the club credit for it because this was this type of thing that under the previous administration would be allowed to get bigger and bigger and bigger until the point when you're reacting to it it, it, you know, it's the old saying, a lie gets round the world three times before truth even gets to tie its shoelaces. Um, like that one. Celtics, uh, <laughs> Celtic, have, uh, Celtic have crushed it. It's it's nonsense. Uh, you know, and in time, and that doesn't necessarily mean to say that Kennedy and Strachan are, are, will be sent packing or anything like that. Um, the, the coaching staff may well remain, but there will definitely be staff there on Postacoglu's say-so and on his wishes. Because I think it's, you know, the, the history's littered with managers that decide to not bring their own trusted staff in. Unfortunately, in, in our case, very recently uh, with Neil, I think it was, although he, he has to take some of the, the blame himself on that for still accepting the job under those circumstances, um, he really should have insisted on being able to bring in um, yeah. someone that he trusts because no matter, it doesn't matter if you're the manager of Glasgow Celtic or Real Madrid or Fultouse United if you're the man in charge of tasked with picking the team and trying to get positive results and trying to create a positive culture in the dressing room then you've got to have somebody in there that you know that has got your back as well and won't be perhaps currying flavoured with the players and then saying this, the things you want to hear, but, you know, saying something different um, when you're not in the room. You need to have a trusted lieutenant or several, if, if possible. So, yeah, um, Celtic's backroom staff will look very different very soon, I would imagine. I have to say, Ross, for a moment there, like, I did believe it when I seen it. And obviously, just to allude to what Anthony said, Anthony, I can just imagine you sitting there with your big book of quotes and analyses, crossing these off one by one each time. I'm running, I'm running out of them, mate. I'm running out. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, for, for a second, Ross, when I seen the actual tweet itself, I did believe it. This is obviously before it was confirmed and it's been a kind of misconstrued and it's a lie. And as Anthony said, there are brilliant lies travel around the world before you even, even get the tie your shoelaces is more the truth hits you. But you, you do look at it, I mean, again, Celtic do have form for this kind of thing. More recently with Neil Lennon, he took the job under them circumstances. And as Alfie alluded to, he should have at least insisted in bringing one guy in or one trusted lieutenant, the likes of Mialby or Gary Parker again. 
but did that concern you when you seen that? Are you very much now kind of just been like that's just rumor? Let it go to bed. When I first seen it, I, I thought BS straight away because purely, I mean, Anthony's totally nailed it there. But straight away, I thought, well, it was only last week that the Postacoglu and Mackay had basically came out, had answered whoever it was that asked the question. I can't remember. And the fan, I'm sure it was the fan media uh, presser, uh, and they they answered it like conclusively that it was an ongoing process, and it's it's been well well documented, and they they sort of alluded to it that when Postacoglu comes in, everybody's given a clean slate, and he makes calls as he goes. He said that himself along the lines. So I mean, it, it doesn't get fairer than that, and. Because of that, when I seen that, I thought this is just somebody name dropping, trying to like, like Anthony says, get get more views on whatever podcast it was he was on. I, I, I'm I'm behind the both of them, and for now, your man Rallis can just spin in it basically. <laughs> I tell you, Ross, it's, it's these amateur hour podcasts that give all of us a bad name. Would you not agree? I tell you. Only listen to the reputable ones, the chart topping ones. I Ross, that's enough. You have to speak on this podcast, telling you now. Yeah. No, but like. I, I, I do get where you guys are coming from. I mean, the reason why I kind of bit on it straight away was because sadly do have form for that sort of thing. And again, after you made a good point in terms of staff may not be sacked, they may be moved around. Apostle Cogley said that himself in the both press conferences, actually. He alluded to the fact that staff can be moved around and people are brought in without letting anyone go. Now, what's coming pretty quickly here is the Champions League qualifier game against FC Mitchelland. At the moment, as we discussed, Previously there, the transfers kind of, for me anyway, left a wee bit to be desired. I thought there'd be more by now, but come to yourself, Ross, first. I can't remember how many days. I think it's like 12, 13 days it is away. Are you confident we can get a result in the first game at least to kind of keep the tie alive? That mean, that's me speaking from the fact that I'm thinking Celtic are going to lose. Obviously not. I'll never want that. I'm just trying to be realistic about it here with the position we find ourselves in. What's, what's your take on it at the moment anyway, as it stands? Uh... Well, for, firstly, remind me, is, is the first leg at home or is it away? It's at home. It's first at home. legs at home, it's mate. At home. First legs at home. Um, I mean, it's like I've touched on in a previous podcast, I don't think MD's under any illusions. It's, it's going to be a tough game. I don't think... I mean, I don't know a great deal about them, apart from like, their, their record in recent times in Europe has been pretty good. They've got a few good results. Uh, it's going to be a very tough test. I don't think there's a lot between the teams, uh, but we've obviously got, like you've said there, maybe what twelve. The best part of a fortnight before the the game comes around. Uh, that's another fortnight uh, for Postecoglou to implement and imprint his message into these players. Uh, senior players are coming back uh, who are. Like I've said already, they're they're going to be rejuvenated. If we can add some players to that in the meantime, then I am confident that we can we can get through the tie. But it's going to be very very difficult. Uh, but I I fancy we could. I would like to take 
obviously best case scenario you would like to take a 2-0 win or something over there but I would take any sort of win if we can keep mm-hmm. a clean sheet amazing obviously but as the uh, what do you call it the you know, how the wiggle road what do you call that just the wiggle road coming into play so it doesn't really nope. matter just score more than them uh, <laughs> and the way, way Ayeti, the way he's playing the now man he's banging goals in for fun we'll be sound we'll <laughs> he's scoring one calm yourself down Ross, what about, <laughs> no I'm only kidding on <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself Anthony if you I mean a couple weeks ago if you asked this question you'd be a bit doom and gloom about it but as the weeks go by you see Paul Sokolgu's training methods you, you watch his teams and albeit snippets of 30 minutes each and they seem to be high press and high energy and the players have seemed to buy into it as of now, Anthony. Are you more confident getting into the game now, regardless of who was saying? Would you be happy enough getting in with the squad as it stands? I mean, you always like to be t- we'd like to see a, a, a couple of additions, of course, especially the ones that have been, you know, sort of really searched out and, and given the approval of uh, the manager. But I must admit, I think the first game being at home is actually a good thing because it will. It, it, it gives us a marker of where, where we're going to be uh, going into the second leg. But I think if you to look on paper at our team, and you would imagine guys that have been away at the Euros, um, sort of Callum McGregor, James Forrest, I think those type of players would be almost a shoe in to start the match, um, because just given its magnitude, and you know we need all our a, a, a team essentially out on the park if possible. Um, I think. On paper, we're more than capable of getting a result. I'm that's not disrespecting uh, the t- uh, Michelin at all. We'll get it pronounce it right this time. Um, <laughs> as, as Ross alluded to, they've had a couple of very impressive results uh, in Europe uh, in the sort of recent season. So we, you know, we're we're on the wrong side of the draw uh, this year. It's it's one of the one of the major consequences of uh, of you know the disaster that was last season. Um, so we just have to. You know, go and not hope for the best because that sounds as if we're, you know, we're totally up against it. If we turn up, we are more than capable of getting a result. And I think one of the other major factors that we've probably not really touched on just yet, but I'm sure we will as the the days go by and we're leading up to the game. I don't know how many are going to be allowed, but just the fact having fans back at Celtic Park is a factor Mm -hmm. that no team is really going to get I mean not until it's a proper full house but I think you're you, those uh, Michelin players are in for a shock this is a totally different uh, type of stadium to come to even if there is only you know it's only a quarter full or half full or whatever whoever's in the ground that night um, will scream and shout the team on until their throat gives out um, it'll be a quite an emotional night I would actually uh, believe and if the players can channel that energy in a positive manner, then I've absolutely no reason to doubt that we can't go over there to the second leg um, carrying uh, an advantage. Well, let's hope, Anthony, it's not like 500 in, in the stadium, because that would take the piss after what we've seen at the European Championships. Like, I think yeah, there has to be I think there has to be a clear pathway now for fans to get back in, whether that's through testing, track and trace. I mean, there has to be a way, especially for the season coming. Now, it brings me nicely on to the last part of the show, which is the Transformers. We've spent a wee bit talking about the slow activity and maybe these days will be completed. I mean, what we're seeing now is the Croatia centre-back Fuskovic seems 
to be a gone quad. He was playing for his team today. Actually, funny enough, he captained his team today. And they were being linked with a Swedish centre-half, Karl Starfelt, plays for Ruben Kazan in Russia. And also Kyle Edwards, a free agent formerly of West Brom. Now, I'm seeing a retrend here, Ross. I don't know about yourself. We seem to be going, going into the free agent world side of things in regards to Liam Shaw, Uruguini. I know that's two examples, but you still have to play a cross-border compensation feeder. But technically, they were free agents because it came to the end of their contract. Do you think that's a road Celtic are going to have to explore, trying to think outside the box? Quite possibly. Um, I, I don't think any is no like Celtic's financial footing. For certain, um, but I, I mean, it can be a market that can that can be exploited. There can be good players in it, uh, but I mean, as regards that Starfield, uh, I've not seen him play. Uh, but I mean, you're talking about Vuskovic. He's what twenty? Was he twenty? Nineteen twenty? That nineteen? Yeah. And we're talking about five million pound there. Uh, maybe that's went quiet because. This guy has come to fruition. I think he's at a better age eh, at, at 25. Whether he's a better player, I can't say for sure. But he's gained, certainly in the last 10 months, he's gained international experience. And I think, and I know it's, it's probably only three caps, but it's it's still international experience with like, top players round about him. Eh, it seems like we're sort of... There's a lot of centre back. I know we we need to fill that position, but it seems like he's sort of building for the, the the foundations for the back first, which I think is the right way to go. Um, your your man Edwards again. It's another guy I've not seen play, but he's a wide man. Again, it's a position we need to strengthen, which is fairly obvious. But uh, it seems like he's he's identifying the important areas that we need to strengthen, which. Is, is, for me it's good I don't think it's like it's fairly obvious because we've not got guys in their positions but it's still good that he's trying to identify their positions uh, but time will tell if he gets it right in the transfer market hmm. there, there's, How? But there's plenty sorry no go ahead finish your point I was, I was just going to say there's plenty of activity on uh, like there seems to be plenty of activity coming for the club. I mean, granted, there has to be because of the, the, the situation with the amount of guys that were on loan and have left. But I don't know. We've, I, that's all I can really say on it. <laughs> in, in, in regards to Kyle Edwards, I mean, I've seen a few West Brom like blog sites or podcasts any of these trunks anyway. They were glad to see him leave. I think he made something like 49 appearances over a five-year spell, a bit like Anthony Ralston for Celtic. And in terms of Carl Starfelt, Anthony, he played the most minutes in a Ruben Kazan team that finished fourth in the Russian league. And I, again, that's a good standard of football. Most would argue it's better than the SPL. So that kind of bodes well, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah. And obviously as well, the fact that and you would like to think, of course, that um, a certain Mr Lustig might have been having a wee word in his ear um, yes, yeah. at the Euros as well. Um <laughs> Just telling them, just selling the club to them. Not that you know we we, we need selling to, but if one of your actual teammates is uh, is telling you all the good stories, and let's be honest, the the big man's got more than a, a few good stories to tell. Um, you know, he's he's been what one of I think it was actually one of the the biggest stains um, on the previous administration's uh, 
card, the way he was treated when he left, um, there was absolutely no reason for the for the way that he, he was treated in my in my book. Um, he was a vice captain. He was a long serving stalwart, and he should have been given a far greater send off if if that was the case that he was going to be getting um, removed for the club or at least getting kept on because it was I think there was a place for him. Um, but sorry to, to answer your question, Stephen. Sorry, I'm I'm doing a I'm doing a John there and going off on a tangent. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's essentially he's going to kill me for that when this records, doesn't he? When this comes out, uh, <laughs> I'm only kidding, John. I love you, mate. Oh no, oh, there's going to be a few a few PMs coming my way now. But, uh, no, I think um, I, I like I like the look of the, the big guy at the back. I'm I'm not going to like, and I, I can't. Um, Proclaim to know anywhere near it as much about the, the boy for West Brom, um, but I, I I must admit I wouldn't pay too much attention to you know some of the the, the broad podcasts down south because it doesn't actually matter if even if he was leaving the club, the fact that he's been linked with us I think always creates creates an image and a lot of football fans down south that you know the minute it, it, the, the the country of Scotland is mentioned, they they sort of falsely bring a player down almost they, yeah, they, they think yeah. of us as a, a Mickey Mouse league, um, a backwater and you know as we've all kind of alluded to you know, just ask Shane Duffy if it's easy up here ask Joey Barton if it's easy up here you know, the, the, there is a lot of littered waste of the carcasses of players that have uh, came up here thinking they're on a jolly and uh, Julie found out that not to be the case by the same token, <laughs> there's a lot of players that have come up here who have been forgotten about down south and really made a name for themselves up here. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about what West Brom fans think about, well, anything really. Um, but, yeah, if, if he if he comes, he's joining a great club. Um, but I think the... I, I, you, you, you pronounce the name better than, than what I can, but the, the big Swedish centre-half, the rumours seem to have a bit more traction um, on that front. So, yeah, that could be one that, to keep an eye on uh, in the coming days and weeks. Yeah, well, I think he's, he, so, sorry, Stephen. I was just going to say his name's Carl Starfelt, and uh, I mean, let's be honest. If he wasn't a football player, that name he, he's, <laughs> a football star, he? he's a football star. <laughs> oh man, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, look, guys. I mean, Big Carl I'm Starfelt. That brings us to the end of the podcast in terms of the segments. We're going to move straight on to a quiz between yourself, Anthony, and Ross. And this quiz is going to be circled around the big, the big debate in the world of football. Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. And mainly because it's the first quiz they could find on Google, okay? So we're going, we're, well, going to okay. crack, we're going to crack into it. If you guys are ready, we'll get going. Yeah, yeah, okay. sure. Go for it. No worry. So, question number one. Messi has spent his entire professional career, career at Barcelona, but which was a schoolboy team? Boca Juniors? Not a clue. Don't know. No. Neil's old boys. Right. Oh, Cristiano. man. I've, I've just read the wee boy. I've just read the wee boy a, a bit about Messi. And I, just when you're saying that there, yeah, it's keep, keep, uh, You're right. Terrible, uh, terrible Anthony. Should have got well, that. Question two. Which Portuguese team did Ronaldo play for before signing for Manchester United? Lisbon. Anthony, heard you first. You're one up. What? Question, question, question wow. three. I answered that while you were talking. Ronaldo, Ronaldo was famous with the number seven, but what other number did he wear at Real Madrid? Nine. That's one each. Ross, you're back in. 
Well done, mate. So, number four. Messi famously retired from international duty in which year before reversing his decision? 2016. 2016. 2-1. Yeah, definitely. Question five. Ronaldo claims which word when celebrating a goal? What? Vamos. He says a word. He says a word. It's a, it's a, a, a word for yes in Spanish. Vamos. Vamos. No, no, no. C. 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 No. Oh, question, right. okay. question six. Messi wore the, the number 30 at the start of his Barcelona career and now is number 10. What other number number has he worn for the club? 18. That should be easy. No, one up from that. 19. 19. Anthony, you got it. <laughs> Ross, you're <laughs> so <bad>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, man. This is the worst. I can't wait to be go live till I start winning quizzes. I, I, I you, said, you said 18. Steven, I'm, I, go ahead. I must admit, mate, that was the shittiest quiz I think you've done so far. I missed the Celtic uh, ones. I'm not going to lie. The reason why I do these quizzes at the end of the show is just to have a wee lighthearted discussion, a wee lighthearted bit of fun. Uh, the Celtic quizzes for me, I absolutely. need to work on them for the for the new season. I mean, and a bit of international flavour doesn't go miss, boys, does it? I mean, with the European Championships and oh, stuff. So Absolutely not. The Euros, the Copa America, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. if there's a international flavour, it's good to mix it up a bit. Exactly. And it gives a bring a bit, bit on at least everybody. Does I, it, so. finished. I don't know if that's <laughs> 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 but guys, guys, Anthony and Ross, thanks for coming on. Have you enjoyed this one? Aye, uh, very much so, mate. Uh, absolutely. Uh, always do, mate. Always good being on with yourself and uh, my right honourable friend, Miss Muir, Mr Muir, as well. Nice one. Well, yeah, so I've Ms. not Muir, been on it. So that sounds great. <laughs> 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 so I've actually missed it. Uh, or a week, so anyway, but I've really enjoyed it and I always enjoy coming on with Anthony. Yeah, well, guys, it's been, been a good Thanks, show. Thanks, man. Likewise. And the people who are listening, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.